Hello, and welcome to today's VJ Hemong podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, you will hear from experts who share some insights into unmet needs in amyloidosis, the role of CHIP in this disease setting, and novel treatment options being explored for patients. First, Angela Dispensieri discusses unmet needs in the diagnosis and treatment of light chain amyloidosis and highlights emerging immunotherapy strategies being investigated. Net needs, early diagnosis is definitely a major unmet need uh, because the longer a patient goes, the more likely they're going to have potentially irreversible um, damage to their organs and um, a higher risk of kind of early death. So early diagnosis, which people are addressing with education, um, strategies like artificial intelligence, NLP, different methodologies. So that's a big unmet need. Um, in terms of um, the treatment, um, there's a lot, you know, we still don't know best therapies uh, at the time of relapse, um, best combinations. Uh, there are all of these immunotherapy strategies in the myeloma space, and they haven't yet been really vetted and tested in the amyloid space. So that's a huge unmet need. Um, drugs like venetoclax uh, you know, with patients with translocation 1114 is a really an amazing advance, though yet we, so far we don't really have true clinical trial data, a lot of um, experience and, and case series. Um, and then I, I would say the final unmet need is um, I think we still need to optimize our progression criteria in that space because in order to really get drugs approved, uh, we need to have uh, reliable endpoints uh, that can easily be adjudicated and that have meaning so that uh, regulatory agencies will approve the drug. Trying all these different immunotherapy strategies are going to really be uh, the next frontier. Uh, I think that, you know. Because AL is, tends to be a lower tumor burden disease than multiple myeloma, um, you could imagine that whether it's a bispecific or a CAR-T, um, you might be able to cure these patients. I mean, I, we don't know long-term whether a small fraction of patients um, with multiple myeloma getting these therapies, maybe you know, they're gonna have really, really long-term um, good outcomes, uh, especially if we move it earlier to earlier line therapy, but in the AL space, they can be exquisitely uh, responsive to different therapies. So it's gonna be very exciting to sort of carefully apply these strategies because again, you know, CRS and somebody who has um, very significant cardiac involvement is kind of a non-starter there. And that gets us back to the beginning where early diagnosis is key because we really can't afford to have patients present as sick as they can sometimes present. So the next thing too, which is very interesting, there are two exciting, interesting things. One is imaging uh, amyloid specifically, so different um, peptides that bind to the amyloid so you can actually directly localize where the amyloid is. And then the other very exciting um, strategy, two clinical 
or two agents uh, in the AL space. Uh, one is the, the Neo DO1 and the other is the Calum 101. Um, both of those are antibodies that are directly targeted to the amyloid fibril itself. Uh, and the hope is that that is going to help um, resorb the amyloid more quickly and get organ responses more quickly and, and more of them. Um, so randomized trials, mostly in the advanced cardiac um, disease space, uh, so they can kind of really have an unequivocal readout of overall survival. I mean, those are the readouts there, but with patients that are very vulnerable and sick that really do have an unmet need because uh, high rates of early death, um, this would be an amazing uh, addition uh, if this works for these patients. Next, Paolo Lopadotte discusses ongoing research exploring the prevalence and impact of clonal hematopoiesis of indeterminate potential in patients with amyloidosis. A CHIP is an um, entity that is being more and more recognized uh, recently. Um, it's been initially associated with uh, uh, worse outcome, uh, cardiovascular outcome in, uh, in the general population. And more recently, there has been uh, growing interest to see uh, the, out the impact of uh, the presence of CHIP in uh, uh, patient with hematological malignancies. So in the, in the context of myeloma, we already know that uh, uh, there seems to be some uh, worse outcome for patient undergoing transplantation uh, and uh, harboring a CHIP. Uh, similarly, there has been some data for patient with lymphoma, but in the context of amyloidosis, it's uh, much less clear the role of, uh, uh, of, of CHIP presence. Uh, also, it's not entirely clear the frequency of uh, CHIP presence. Uh, so far, some studies try to assess uh, the presence of CHIP in patients with amyloidosis and uh, uh, no clear no clear impact in terms of prognosis has been uh, identified, uh, but these studies were small and with short follow-up. Uh, we try also uh, to look at the presence of uh, uh, CHIP in a cohort of uh, amyloidosis patients, and we were able to do this, uh, me together with the mentorship of uh, Dr. Giada Bianchi from Dana-Farber, and uh, through the collaboration of Dr. Bolli from University of Milan. Um, so again, we look at the cohort of amyloidosis patient. Um, it was, uh, it's probably the largest cohort so far, meaning that we were able to look at a total of uh, 70 patients and uh, uh, approximately 20% uh, were found to have uh, CHIP and uh, uh, we found some association between the presence of CHIP and uh, the presence of uh, uh, the, uh, a translocation which is uh, uh, usually uh, associated with uh, uh, lower outcome in amyloidosis patients. And uh, um, together with that, we also found an interesting association with uh, um, a uh, lower um, renal stage um, lower paladini renal stage in patients with amyloidosis. Um, 
So these, these are preliminary data. We're still trying to explore the significance of these findings. Um, we, are also, we also try to explore any impact of uh, chip in um, uh, amyloidosis with, uh, in terms of prognosis. And uh, we were unable to find any uh, meaningful impact on the prognosis so far. But again, uh, follow-up time is still short. And uh, unfortunately, the cohort is still small. So we are hopeful to uh, gather more data in the upcoming, in the future. And, uh, Clarify, further clarify the impact of chip in the in uh, in this cohort of patient. First of all, I think the most important thing is to um, better clarify, uh, uh, characterize what are the specific clinical and molecular features which are associated with uh, with with uh, with chip um, in a patient with amyloidosis. Um, uh, if we're able to, hopefully, we will be able to gather more data in in this regard in the future and uh, and be able to better inform patients on the significance of this finding. Uh, so far, it's uh, uh, I I think it's too early to um, clearly state the. Um, the impact for for a patient um, of the presence of chip, uh, but hopefully in the future this uh, finding will be uh, will be easy to put into into a into context. Lastly, you will hear from Eustathios Castritis and Vaishali Sancharawala, who briefly discuss treatment options available to patients beyond stem cell transplantation and chemotherapy as well as the main goals of treating patients with amyloidosis. Today, the first basic therapy is daratumab with bortezomib, the VCD combination, dara-VCD. However, some patients will relapse. In cases that where uh, chemotherapy or transplantation, or transplantation is not an option, and for most patients is not an option, we have to consider other treatments. For patients with AL amyloidosis who do have T1114 translocation in their plasma cells, the use of venetoclax-based regimen seems to be a very active therapy, rapidly acting and also inducing deep responses. For patients who do not have T1114 translocation, venetoclax is probably not an option. So for these patients, we can either consider if they have not received daratumab to give a daratumab-based regimen, uh, regimens that contain lenalidomide or preferably pomalidomide is an acceptable and good option. We have some additional new options. For example, we have a clinical trial in which belantamab mafodotin is given in such patients. We have good results even in patients who have been exposed or are refractory to daratumumab. We expect to have some data in the near future with uh, uh, bispecific antibodies. And there are some preliminary data in maybe eight or 10 patients with CAR T cells treated in Israel with an BCMA uh, CAR T cell constructed in uh, Hadassah uh, in uh, Jerusalem. So the main goals at this time are to achieve a complete hematologic response. And the hematologic response criteria are being refined as, uh, as we go along because of knowing that some patients, even in hematologic complete response, 
can have organ progression. The refinement of hematologic response criteria are with low free serum free light chain uh, endpoints, which include in, involve free light chain levels of less than 20 milligrams per liter and difference between involved and uninvolved light chains of less than 10 milligrams per liter. And in multiple studies, these two uh, thresholds have shown to better discriminate patients for overall survival than um, uh, traditional hematologic complete response definition. Moreover, minimal or measurable residual disease assessment either by multiparametric flow cytometry or with next generation sequencing also have been shown uh, to uh, associ be associated with better organ response rates as well as major organ deterioration progression free survival rates. Uh, this was demonstrated by our group at, and presented at the International Society of Amyloidosis Symposium last year in Heidelberg, Germany. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.